Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. There's no one quite <laughs> like Sally. Really? That's how we're starting? Yeah, of course we are. <laughs> Do you know, the nice thing is that only people of a certain age will know that tune. Name that tune in one. Go, Sally Lindsay. That's uh, There's No One Quite Like Grandma. And it was number one in 1980 for four weeks. The Christmas number one for four weeks. And you sung it. And I was it. seven in it. And I was a stand-in for the lead because I was a, I was still in infant school so they, they nicked me from infant school how I had a tiny it, little voice how did that song that didn't I mean, last the minute it, the minute it comes on that any of us who were young enough to remember it no old enough when we were young that makes sense when we were young it came out <laughs> but everyone be like, everyone's grandma there's no one quite like grandma it was um, it was quite a phenomenon really because it was um it was basically just uh, the way that came about, if you're interested, there was a there was a a song called Matchstock Men and Matchstock Cats and Dogs by Brian and Michael, which was massive. And the painted Matchstock, match yeah, yeah, about Larry, obviously. Yeah. And it was a, uh, it was our choir was used as a background, and in just a normal school choir, like a local Stockport school choir, and that led them to um, write Grandma. And it was just an offhand thing that was never going to, you know, and it seemed to be the zeitgeist of the novelty record. And that was it. Mm. And we were we were everywhere. It was ridiculous. And then ev after that, we made about four, um, I was there for another four years. So Winifred's Girls Choir. School choir. School choir. Yeah, my brother yeah. was in it. And um, so I was there for another five years and we must have made an album a year. And we all, we made them at 10CC Studio in Strawberry Studios in Stockport. You're so kidding that, me? You made more? Yeah, we made like Disney albums. Catholic albums, blah, blah, any album you could sort of, you know, put a kid on, we made it. Oh, my word. Yeah, so, I mean, I'm not quite up there with my husband, but... <laughs> yeah, well, we can get to Steve, because... Uh, yeah, but, I mean, you know... You know. Uh, uh, what they called the start, the start... No, I can't remember that. You know, Winifred uh, School Choir, but the Styles, the Style Styles... Council, never heard of them. No. <laughs> never they? heard of them. Who were they? Yeah, we'll talk about Steve <laughs> and the twins and everything. OK. Um, but I, I love that that's where you started. And every... You know, that not everybody knows that of you, but when they do know it... You do twinkle when you talk about it because it's, I mean, you're seven years old. And it was great because I could take, I was with my brother as well, so I never felt frightened. He's he's 50 months older than me and still one of my best friends. And, I, and he, and so I was with my brother, so I didn't, and I was with him because I was really, really little. 
And but I thought it, but I was being quite brave, so I had a lovely time. And to be fair, people say, "Did that start you off in your career?" Absolutely not. Uh, I didn't do anything till I was twenty-four. <laughs> you know, just I always loved drama. What was the what, what did you do then at twenty-four? What was the thing you did at twenty-four? So I did. Uh, so what happened? I went to university to do English, and yeah. I wanted to work in radio. That's what I really wanted to do. Still do. Love it. And um, I'm sure you could. I'm sure I could, yeah, <laughs> if I had the blooming time. But I know I really loved it. I really loved radio. And I think it's a great medium. And uh, so I, would, I had my little radio show at Hull University. No one listened to it, the cleaner and, you know, it, it was but just university me. radio is really, really vital. Yeah. It's where most of the people absolutely uh, in this industry... I mean, and I, but I think it, I wasn't quite the zeitgeist at the time because it was all—it was all terribly accents, you know. It was everybody. We were still there, and uh, so I just sounded. I remember applying to a radio show up there in Hull, and they said uh, we don't need another Terry Christian. Thank you very much. They didn't. Yeah, they, and I only wanted to sort of read the weather out or something. And I don't think people were banging their door down, but yeah, that was absolutely not wanted. And Hull's the strongest Saxon, even more stronger than mine. You know, it's early road. So I was like, oh, okay, fair enough. Anyway, somebody asked me to be in a play in the same year. It was my third year. And somebody had dropped out and I did the play. I'd already been interested in drama. My degree was English. And um, I was just really good at it. And I was, uh, I've never said that about myself, about anything. You know, I've, I've always been slightly above average, but I was just found it terribly easy. And I thought, oh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to audition for the next part. And I got the main part in the universe, which was no big competition, let's be honest. But um, And it was a play called Les, uh, Les Dangerous Liaisons. So Dangerous Liaisons yeah. by Christopher Hampton. And I got the main part in it, Matoy. I was 21. I should have been 45 in it. So I could play it now. Well, I'm 50 now. But, you know, that kind of age. And um, my my film tutor came to me and, just, and he said to me, if, and he was called Neil Sunyard, and he was a... He was a Neil Sunyard? Sunyard. Oh, Sunyard. And he was a he was quite a prominent um, critique, film critique at the time. And he said, if you could write your essays like your act, you, act, you could get a double first, you need to think about this, Sally. And I said, but actresses don't look like me. They're not from where I'm from. And this is not being a working class hero. It was true. I didn't know anyone at all in my circle of friends, anyone that was remotely anything to do with anything like that. So I just, it seemed like I was, I was going on a trip to Mars. You know, it was crazy. I was like, well, what, what does that mean? Um, but you find your way, don't you? So that, but that took three years then, because you say it was 24. You did that at 21. Yeah, so what I did is I rang my friend, Sean, Sean Canning. He's one of the um, biggest choreographers for huge fashion shows now. And he, was, he did a bit of dancing at the time. And he went, there's a guy who um, is a really good acting uh, tutor called David Johnson. Now, David Johnson has taught the likes of Sarah Lancashire, uh, Anna Friels, my friend, Saran Jones, um, you know, Anthony Cotton, just a few, uh, to name but a few. And he had a thing called the Oldham Theatre Workshop and he was he was making a, a, a school for older people and it happened to be the older people, I was only like 22, but it happened to be around the corner from my house. So I went and spoke to him and said, look, I have no idea. I don't know what I'm doing. And he said, oh, and he was quite standoffish and he was quite hard, David. But, you know, he always had a twinkle in his eye, but he was very good. And um, so I literally was with him being tutored for two years and I just paid. I had three jobs, you know, uh, just to pay for the tutorship, pay for my rent and stuff. And, um, and then yeah, it was such a ridiculous story because 
It's so different from the RADA group or, you know, the, the people who went to drama school and they get yeah, picked by an agent. Yeah. There was a local agent. It was Ricky Tomlinson's agent. And I knocked on his door and I said, I want to be, I want you to represent me. And he went, who are you? And I said, I'm an actress. And he said, what? Anyway, I mentioned David. He went, oh, no, I've heard of him. All right, then, what can you do? And he came this to... This is fantastic. <laughs> and I remember the dogs barking and everything, barking at me. I literally knocked this, on this... The confidence I had, I don't know where that's gone. Honestly, I just don't, I don't know. I think I thought, because I was... Um, I was so shown up telling my family I was going to be an actress. If I wasn't an actress, then they'd never stop laughing at me. I don't think there was this burning ambition to be this big Hollywood star. I think it was that. <laughs> it was purely because your, your family go there, we told you. Told you. Well, they didn't. They just thought it was a bit weird and a bit, what yeah. are we talking about? Um, get a proper job, you know. And I've never had a proper job since. So then I got a, yeah, so then he took me on as an agent. And it, it took me... As a, as a client, sorry, he took me a few goes, a few auditions, but he got me a few auditions and then I got a number one tour out of an open audition and it was at the Strand and there was hundreds of girls outside and they were all about five foot, about eight stone with tiny little dark bobs or sort of swingy little short dark haircuts and then there was me, massive doofus, like blonde and I was like, oh, this is, I've been for the wrong thing here. Anyway, I got it, and it was called Girls' Night Out. It was a, it was a touring comedy northern play, and I got it, and that was it. Wow. And uh, yeah, I mean, there's been there's been on and off patches, but not many, to be honest. I've been extremely lucky. It's so funny when people uh, see an actor that they know, and everybody knows you, because you've been in some of the biggest shows and you've created some of the biggest shows and still going on uh, Madame Blanc and I've been around forever no 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 no, no, <laughs> no. I'm that. talking about the stuff that you've done Thank you. and as a presenter and yeah and as a, a as somebody who's very passionate about a lot of things politics people you're very passionate about looking after everybody that that I love that that's how it all started so it can't see I th I do think a lot of actors think if somebody wants to be an actor, they go, oh well, I have to go to Rod, or I have to go to Lambda, I have to do all of those. No, things. no, you, 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 you don't. Not at all. And it's really funny. It's that eternal debate when you're on set with actors who have been to Rod and Lambda, which is amazing. They are great schools. Oh my god, amazing. But you say, you always say, oh, you know what? I'd have always loved to have gone to that kind of drama school. And they say to you, why? <laughs> So you think you should have gone, and they go, "There's absolutely but that's, no that's always so the it's way." So it's yeah, the constant yeah. dichotomy. Loads of people, you know. But it is easier. I didn't make it easy for myself. But no. The problem was because I was working class. I'd used all my grant. We got a grant there at the time, back in the day, for university. So I didn't have any more educational grants. So I can't just turn around and say, "I want to be an actor now." They went, "Yeah, right, whatever." Then so I didn't have any money to go. You know, even though it was good, and I was going to pay that back in tax you know 10 million fold they didn't know that so I suppose my tax money or my um, education fund had been spent on my English degree which has come in very useful but that's useful. come in handy because you, you know handy, it's yeah. not like you haven't written since and you no. have you know <laughs> no. hello some of the you, you've won awards and you, massive ratings successes and so many things that you've written you and Saran you just mentioned mm -hmm. I love that you say my friend Saran I love that yeah she's doing alright as well isn't never she? heard of her yeah Never heard of her. Saran, it's like style counts. Yeah, no, I never heard of it. No, no, we were just, you know, me, me and Saran were mates. We we um, met at Coronation Street, obviously. She'd started a year before. And this, there was three of us who were very close friends. Jennifer James, um, who played Gina. 
And uh, Serrano plays, obviously Karen and me played Shelley at the time. And we were very, very, very close. And with, there was loads of us. There was Cy Gregson and Keith Duffy and Lee Boardman and Lee and Je Jenny had been married for, well, that long, however that long is. 20 odd, 20 years, is it? 20 odd years. And I think it was about, um, we just, I think the thing about me and Serrano is because we were, in, we were just in all the time. Because she was in the... In the, she was sort of, you know, the the Elsie Tanner type of the, yeah. of the, uh, and I was behind the bar. So we were, we were just in all the time. And I think we we it was sort of meant to be really that, uh, you know, we still are now. And but you wrote together in a yeah. huge, hugely successful writing partnership. And um, did that come from those? Did you have yeah, the ideas so, then? Well, actually, we didn't. We didn't actually write that. We created Scott and Bailey. Oh, I thought you didn't write no, it. No, that was Sally Wainwright. But what? Ah, oh, okay. but I created okay. it right uh, with uh, with Saran, and um, we what had happened? We were, I she left, and uh, Jenny had left, and I was a bit bored, and I met around the corner. She was a thing called Vincent with um, Ray Winston, which was all very good, but very like blokey and very. And she was running around in a little flowery dress, and she was like, oh, you know, and it was a big break for her, and you know, she was breaking into that kind of. Uh, drama and she was like yeah but it's like I, I don't really have anything to say and I said do, do, you, do you ever see a thing called Cagney and Lacey when you're a kid and she's five years younger than me so it's really funny that five years when you're a kid it's sort of really it, oh, it's it, huge it's, it's huge. a big yeah. five years it's yeah. nothing now but it's huge yeah so I explained it to her. She got a few. We didn't. We didn't have. It was got a video for her. <laughs> we didn't have like you know. Uh, I don't even think YouTube was going then. And um, and I got her a book on the feminist um, sort of uh, what was it called? Feminist principle of Cagney and Lacey. And because my mum used to sit and watch it with me, and I just thought it was the most amazing show. I remember Cagney and Lacey well. Because, but it was so much more than it was. You know, it was basically two female protagonists and their lives and why everything was so much harder for them. And I said, why don't we make something like that? But, you know, 25 years on, set in Manchester with me and you. And, you know, we're obviously, our characters are completely right for the characters that, are, you know, we're, we're going to set. And then, and it took us about, I mean, we kept flogging that bloody show. We've written other stuff before that's never, never got made. But we um, we haven't done fewer years, actually. We must do that. But um, I want more Scott and Bailey. If more Scott and Bailey. That's, that's out of my hands now. That's, uh, that's other people's, uh, owned by other people's. But um, it was, yeah, it was. that was it, really. Uh, and I didn't do it because I was pregnant with my boys, so I wasn't able to do it in the end. When it, when it finally commissioned after six years, yeah. I was pregnant with the boys, which was a much more of a joy. But um, yeah, but obviously now at the moment, the the thing that everybody the the buzz is about is about Madame Blanc, mm -hmm. and many of my friends have been in it. I don't need to name drop, but. Um, <laughs> Bizarrely, my friend Harriet, uh, who's been in it, uh, yeah. our mutual friend, uh, who's in EastEnders. Doof, 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 any, yes, any excuse to talk about EastEnders, but yeah. um, and she loved it. everyone I know who went, who went and has been on it, loves it, and the audience love it, and it's it's escalated Channel Five to doing more drama. So you've you've been quite. Uh, it's been it's thanks to you that all of this has happened for Channel Five. I mean, you've Ooh, had massive big, ratings. That's massive. a big that's that's a big thing to say. But I mean, no, I am good. I'm saying it. I, I work for Channel Five. It's you're very kind. Um, I suppose 
in a way, I think Ben Fry would always say that I was the first one to take a chance on the first drama, which was Cold Call. And that was the one that smashed through the two, two Gosh, million. that was massive. So that was the one that was, they tried, I think they tried a bit before, nothing really had smashed it. And then that was the one that... I loved that. I loved it. Cold Call. It was it was really good to do. I think, they can, I think you still can see it, actually. And that was a really interesting concept because it was... It was a new way of filming. It was very pared down. It was budgetary constrained, but it was also very freeing. So it wasn't, there wasn't like a million of execs around all the time. You could essentially change lines with the writer's approval on set. You know, it was that, and I'm like that now. But you were buzzing about that. I remember interviewing Loved you it. about yeah. that. You yeah. were... Loved it. On cloud 9,000, let I loved it. I thought nine. it was, and I'd really love starting. And it felt like when I started doing um, Mount Pleasant with Sky, and again, that was the first, <laughs> but it was the first big drama they had they commissioned with Stuart Murphy. And I remember thinking I was at the beginning of something that was really exciting. And then Stella came along, and then there was Trollage, and I think that was at the same time. And we did really well. And then Sky, it, it just turned into, you know, go to mm. television. And it felt a bit like Look that at how the time. Important you are. <laughs> yeah, in right. No, I don't think that is. I don't think that's the case. I think I'm I'm just a fair pair, a safe pair of hands, really. Yeah, but also rolling. <laughs> you're very strong. So we we'll talk in a minute about our mutual, wonderful dear savage Paul O'Grady, uh, who very sadly is probably watching us now and. Swearing. Swearing. It, oh, oh shut up, you two. You look at you two talking going about on with me. yourselves. Yeah. Um, but but. <laughs> Uh, you you know what you want and you stick to your guns. That I, that's how I can see you and Savage getting on so well. He, <laughs> yeah. I think he got the gush from me and he got the straight talking from you. It's funny. I was that kind. I was that mate really, and we we worked together really well because there's a lot of stuff that. It's funny. I was cleaning my office out this morning because um, I'm obviously writing. Hopefully, writing the fourth one. And Madame Blanc. Ma yeah, Madame Blanc. And my, my office was a mess because it always is. And I thought, you, you, this is ridiculous now. It's like the gaffer in the 70s. It's like everything's rubbish. So I was clearing it out. So, and um, and I saw little notes and a, there was a little note from his book, um, Eddie. And, and, I, and it, it was just really, I had to have a little sit down and I thought, oh, bloody hell, because I used to always FaceTime him in the office. Are you in your shed? With yeah. the mop. <laughs> um... You know, because my dog them up, and uh, yeah, so it was um, it was a bit yeah, it was a bit funny one this morning, funnily enough. And then I was coming to see you, I was like, oh, that's weird. Actually, the locks. So let Let's go to to Paul. Let's talk about him. Yeah, because um, uh, it's very funny because whenever I talk about him publicly, I'll always say it's no secret he was one of my dearest friends. Yeah, and but we can sit here and we don't need to say that to each other. No, you know, he really was. He was he was very important in my life. Um, and I knew him as Savage because yeah. Uh, we met on the big breakfast when he was Lily, and um, uh, and he was the first person to take me to the Vauxhall Tavern. I'd never oh, been. It's amazing. And he was still Lily, and that was quite a thing. But uh, and then <laughs> yeah, that it's it's in fact nearly a year ago since he died. It's March. I was looking twenty fifth. I was looking at my diary. Yeah. And twenty um, eighth. Sorry. That funeral. Oh, and because I, I lost my stepdad about three weeks before, and. Uh, who I was very close to, and um, my husband woke me up in the middle of the night. No, it was about oh, it was horrible. That four message. or five o'clock in the morning, and he he's he has his radio on in the night. He's one of those blokes that sleep right, through the yeah. radio, you know, with the noise, the white noise, and it must have penetrated 
and he woke me up and I hadn't got the note, the um, text from Joan. I'd not that looked at my phone. That text. And Joan is his um, wonderful friend, yeah. PA, but dear friend as well. And his right-hand woman, Joan was. And, uh, and I couldn't... I remember sitting at the end of the bed and my husband was just saying, I, I don't know what to say, Sal, I don't know what to say. And I was just... I can't even put it into words. I cannot put it into words. It's like I didn't believe it. I was in... Anyway, you must have gone through the same thing. No, I just... I woke up my husband and I just went... Yeah. Paul O'Grady's dead. And he just went, oh, don't be stupid. What is he... Ta-? He thought because I was... And I went... He's taking a mickey. No, 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 no. He, he's he, gone. He's dead. And he went... I did it so bluntly. And he just went, no. And I went, look. And I showed him the text. And he went, are you okay? And yeah. I went, Savage. And I just, I, but I just went numb yeah, and it didn't in. make any sense to me because mm. I'd spoken to him and, and I had a note in my phone, a reminder to call him. And weirdly, the day that I was going to call him, and it was just about something, was the day that we went off and made the, the special just a few days after he died. I mean, Vauxhall. And I, my, I got a reminder on my phone, Paul Savage. And I was like, oh! And we all went off and did that special. Oh. Numb. Well, it was funny because I got... Obviously, the calls came in to speak on television about him. Oh. And I was like, what are you talking about? But I remember when Bobby died, Bobby Ball, who played my dad yeah. for seven years, I was very, very close to Bobby, as I was Paul. But Paul, but Bobby was like my dad, you know, mm. he was just so close. And I remember I didn't have the strength to do it. And I remember looking at the television and seeing these people that he couldn't stand. <laughs> and I remember thinking, right. So I said to my agent, uh, I said, I will do one thing. And the reason I'm doing it is because I can't bear all these people yes. coming out of the woodwork you know, like the cheeky girls and schnorbits. No, These but people... also people putting up photos of themselves with I him. Can't, no, can't... it makes me so... I, I just put up a photo it. of him and everybody knew. I don't need... I had a little picture one of him of, yeah. with his angel wings on when he came to see oh. me at the Marlow and he, and he said, go on, I'll come on. And he went on and the house just went... Yeah. He said, give me, get me some wings. And went on. And the house just went, there's no point in going on after that. You know, he yeah. t- stole the show quite rightly. And um, that's why I did it. And I did one and that was it. And I've not spoken about it since today. Yeah. Um, because I just find it I, all... Me too. I don't. I, w- I did that programme. <laughs> I wouldn't speak to anyone special. else if it wasn't you. No, I, well, I won't. Years. I won't. Um, I, and people always say, oh, can you come and can you do an interview about Paul? I go, no. 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 Not but, ready yet. But, um, but also he would be like, what are you doing? What are you doing? Talking about. But but we did that that special. Which, and that was important. That was really important. And Julian was there, and you know there yeah. was everybody there. Yeah, uh, the right uh, ones. Yeah. yeah. And and it was and his funeral, uh, which we won't won't go into detail. No. But was the greatest funeral I have ever been to. If there could be a greater, I can't imagine a greater funeral. It was just you were the, there was you and there were the other people whose names amazing. we won't mention, and it just felt so intimate and so special. And then. Um, then there was a wonderful, there was some couple of wonderful moments that Savage was so much a part of. He was a part of, he was there. Some very funny things Literally. happened. Literally, it was very funny. It was very well, uh, it was something that I think he he had thought a lot about. Let's put it that way. I think there was a lot of, right, uh, I think he would, yeah. I think it was his plan. Let's put it that a, way. There were two particular things, but we won't share what they were. But they were two particular. But I remember things. Al Kari was there, and he doesn't mind saying that he was, you know, he was a very old friend of mine. And Al Kari said, you know, when we we rang each other straight away, you know, and I said, I, Al said, I can't even imagine being asleep, Paul being asleep, 
never mind dead. Mm. I can't I can't even imagine being asleep. You know, we used to go out for dinner and I was always there and Vorders and we used to cry laughing. I mean, I was exhausted after a night out with them two. Can you imagine? Like them I'd two. be, yeah. I mean, it was yeah, ridiculous. Yeah. And gosh, anyway. Yeah. He, he's still he's still there somewhere. He's so much there. Yeah. My, um, my... If anyone could do a comeback, it'd be him. <laughs> oh, don't. That would terrify the <laughs> living daylight. Oh, he'd love that there, wouldn't he? Ah, it's me. I'm back. I'm back. Oh, my word. Well, he... Full drag. Do you know what? There's one of those things, though, then it happens when certain people pass that I wish they knew... Oh, how much... I you... wish they knew the public outcry and the, pu- oh. the public... The, the love that was shown. People were devastated. It was oh just... Oh, my gosh. I think I, I had more of... messages about him than I have about I mean, yeah. Terry Wogan. You know, another... Of course, I did love him. Terry, but... but but Paul was something. Un- he was unique. He was he really unique. Was. He was unique, and he and he. I think. I wish it, he knew how how much everybody loved. I him. I think he was just so honest. I think that was his. Yeah. He, well, he was unbelievably talented and unbelievably Very honest. And but he was so honest. I don't. But think with he us cared. as well. Oh yeah. He oh, said God, it as yeah. it was. Mm. I remember there was a certain show I did. And he just called me up, and, he's, and my mum died many years ago, and um, uh, which I'll tell you a lovely story, which I have, I will say share about Paul. But he he rang me up and go, well, "What would your mum say?" <laughs> <laughs> it was about something I was wearing. I was like, "Oh, thanks, Savage." But he did say? something very very sweet, which I have talked about. But when my mum died, he left a message for me every day for two weeks on my aunt's phone. He left me something to make me smile. He left me messages. He left me jokes. He left me. Uh, uh, quotes, all sorts of things, every day for two weeks. And he kept saying, Gab, don't pick up, don't pick up. And on the 14th day, he said, right, your two weeks are up. Now you can call me if you need me. But he did it every single day so I could get through the first two weeks after mum died. And that was was just kind. He was kind. He He was was very, very kind. Oh, it's so lovely actually talking about him. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. So you, uh, let's talk about Steve, who we did mention. He's a musician. He's a musician. Yes, he's a drummer. So Steve, um, currently, him and his 
musical partner, Chris Hay, do all the music for Modern Blanc. So it's a bit of a family uh, bespoke affair is my, is my little show. And um, he loves doing that, but you would know him. Um, so he started drumming for the Style Council when he was 17 and then he drummed with Paul Weller till he was, gosh... I think till about 10 years ago, actually, 10 or 11 He's years so, ago. Steve is so polite and are you unassuming, yeah. very gentle. You wouldn't you think, think he'd done yeah. two Live Aids and, you yeah. know, and done, <laughs> played every stadium in the world. And he's like, he's he's just not like that. His brother's not, though. Alan White, who drummed for Oasis, they're very, they're just very um, normal people, really, in, in an abnormal situation. Mm. But it's really funny because uh, a lot of drummers are like that. They're sort of the powerhouse of the band, um, and they're the, you know, the, they're the well, literally the beat, but they're also the, um, you know, they're they're the sane ones, the ones who haven't sort of lost their lives in uh, drug-filled frenzy, the ones who that is basically maths and music, and it's a real, you know, it's a passion more than anything, and I think, and they don't get caught up with the the stardom bit. Well, I know Steve never has, and he, he's never more mortified when people come up because. When people come up to me in restaurants, they sort of, depending on how much alcohol they've consumed, they either, <laughs> they either go out like a, they know me really, really well and sort of slow, over-friendly, which is lovely, or they get me in a headlock if it's sort of later a head on. A headlock. If it's, yeah. if it's later on in the evening. Uh, whereas Steve, they sort of treat him like some sort of demi-deity, yeah. you know, and sort of nearly bow. It's so weird, the oh, different kinds of fame. That's so funny. He was, to, he was so taken aback when we got together, so he was like 20 years ago Yeah, now. so talk, talk me through that. <laughs> uh, well, the real story is... Oh, well, there's a, there's a fake story there's a real fake story. story. I've, I've peddled for years for the media, but you can have the real one. So basically... <laughs> Um, he was, I was in Coronation Street and I'd done, been there for, I think, two and a half years and I was really nailing it. I thought I was and there was a new producer coming in called Tony Ward, who's a mate now. And he had a You big, know everybody. Had a big you do know everybody. Well, I know this person because he introduced me to Steve. But he um, he was a new produ new exec producer coming in and on the cover of all, of, of all the tabloids, he was called, you <laughs> hate me for saying this, he was called Chopper Wood because everybody kept sort of getting sacked. So I was thinking, oh, no, blimey neck. I remember looking at my little cottage thinking, well, that's gone on it. You know, I mm. thought I was doing really well, but everything changes in soaps all the time. Serial dramas, I should say now. Anyway, uh, and I wasn't ready to go. I thought I was just nailing it. I was only two and a half years down the road. I thought, this is, you know, I'm nailing this. Anyway, I got a call from him and... Um, I was like, oh, no. So I'll cut that story there. The night before, Steve was on a tour bus, not with Weller. With, he was always in another band, Steve, and it was called, he was always in like a drum-led band, drum sort of funk-led band, um, when he wasn't playing with Weller. So he, um, he was always on the road kind of thing. And it was called The Players. And it was fantastic. It was like it's acid jazz band. It was fantastic, The Players. I really loved them. Anyway, they were on the bus and they'd had a few you know, a few tipples, and they were saying, who do you fancy off the telly? But not obvious. <laughs> and did he say you? Not obvious? Yeah. Said me. Who else did he say? Oh, he's going to kill me for this. <laughs> he said me and Sophie Rainworth off the, off the news. Do you remember the blonde? Well, she's amazing. Yeah. He said me and her. And that's who he said. Now, he'd forgotten he'd said that. Completely forgotten. <laughs> said that blonde woman behind the blue incarnation street, and that's Sophie Rainworth. And he'd forgotten, he woke up in the morning and his best friend, Matty, who was his manager, said, he's still his friend, mate now, said, I've got a surprise for you. Guess who's coming to the gig later? 
Tony's asked her to come. Oh, that's just fantastic. Yeah, hang on a minute. Cut to me. I'm thinking I'm getting a sack, aren't I? So I get the call off Chopper Wood, I'm thinking. And um, it was the most, I gave it, it was the most awkward phone call because he was so, he was going, hi, it's Tony Wood here. He put his telly voice on. Oh, did you go into uh, a shock? Yeah. yeah. And I went, um, oh, hi, Tony. Yeah, just wanted to sort of touch base, you know, I'm a new producer. And um, anyway, I've got a great friend who's in town tonight. He's a drummer. Uh, he's a great band. And I just wondered if you wanted to bob down so we could meet. He's a big fan of the show. And anyway, I went, and I went, what? And he went, I said, are you not sacking me? And he went, oh, God, no. And it was really, I think I swore. It was really embarrassing. <laughs> and I went, I'm so sorry. And it was dead. Oh, oh, it was so awkward. So then I got real. I was like, I can't believe somebody's rang me up to meet in a nightclub. I said, that's a bit out of order. <gasps> anyway, my best friend, Claire, Claire Bradley. Um, this is how long ago, her son's 21 in February. This is how long we've been together. Um, she'd had complications. He'd had complications when he was born. And she just rang me up literally five minutes after and said, Sal, you can come in. She, he's all right. You can come in to meet him. And the, the, the maternity hospital, St Mary's, was opposite the academy in Manchester. So I thought, well, I'm here now. So I may as well bob in, you know. I may as well oh, go in. Oh, my word. I would not have gone in I was because I was dead angry. That I thought, how dare it? I should be meet, met in offices. I was a bit on my own backside then. We should meet in offices and I should be, you know, introduced to the new producer and all that. And I just walked in and I met him. That's when I met him, yeah. I'd never have met him before. And that was it? That was it, yeah. Oh, my God. It was a bit word. on and off for six months because we were so busy. He was on tour and I was I was in the um, uh, Peter Barlow storyline. So I was ne we were never available. But but it was really exciting because I used to fly out and see him at gigs and stuff. Because Weller was great. He was a big Corrie fan, so he's great. I was allowed on the bus oh, and stuff. Oh, just, you do, and I know I just said it, <laughs> but you do know Every, Peter Cake, I never go out. Peter, didn't yeah, you? Pete, yeah, of course I did for years ago. I don't see him as much as I'd like to now because I'm in clever. London and and uh, Pete's in Manchester. Is he all well? Uh, yeah, he is. as far as I know, he is. Yeah, good. yeah, good. And he um, does his he does his uh, residency in London as well. Is he still he doing that? Just the O2, doesn't yeah. he? I mean, I've been. I, I, Can't get this summer. <laughs> he wouldn't give me free either. He would. <laughs> Peter, but you do know everybody. No matter who I, wherever I go, <laughs> I, and I mean it can I can be I can be anywhere. The end of the Iceland. UK, I cannot be anywhere. And, and somebody will say, "Oh, you know Sally Lizzie." How did that come about? I don't know. I don't know. But you do know everybody. You I mean, you keep them. You don't you don't throw people away. No, and, and I I have a, I always have a massive guest um, cast list in my head. Of people, do you always? Yeah, it's like this. It's, it's bigger than anything. So, Madame Blanc, you're going to do more. Yeah. Ho well, hopefully. So, not right, been, it's, it's not been green lit yet, but it's doing really well. It's so doing hopefully. really well. Hopefully. So, do you just do you when you're writing when you you come up with a character? Do you think that's okay? I want them for it. Yeah, definitely. I mean, um, does anybody ever say no? I can't imagine they. Ever nobody say no. said no yet. No. <gasps> I mean, somebody, some people have not been able to do it, but no one's ever said no. I can't. You know, I don't want to do it because it's rubbish. That, no, you know, it's not every, rubbish. Everybody what said, we... "Oh God, yeah, I'd love to," and then it, maybe it's not worked out time. -wise. Who would you like that you haven't had yet? Um, well, let's it, cast. Well, I've got loads. I mean, it, it depends on the part. Okay. So I do actually. Guys, I've got, Can I've, we do fantasy casting? Oh, I'd have everyone. Wouldn't I? I'd have. You know, I've. I've well, I've had really fantasy casting because, like, for example, Sue Holderness, who um, everybody knows plays Judith in the show, but was in um, Only Fools for many, many yeah. years as Marlene. And I did the vagina monologues with her 
in 2008. And I remember sat on the chair next to her, just looking at her. She was in the middle. And then sometimes she was on the end, we swapped round. I just remember looking at her thinking, you are the most amazing actress. And just staring at all with her. So usually it's not about people I don't know. It's usually people I've met that I feel right. Because the biggest thing to me, Gabby, because I'm 50 and I can't be bothered... If, if I don't... You don't suffer fools. No. But you never have. So if I don't like them, I don't want them in. Yeah. but, but that, Yeah. <laughs> or not don't like them. If, I, if I've met them and I just thought... Mm. They're negative people. Yeah. You just want positive can't people that. around no, you. can't have that nonsense. Too old. I'm too off that nonsense. Oh, you can't see, you that. don't beat But you're the bush. same though, aren't yeah, you? I, no, I like positivity around exactly. me. Exactly. I, I like good I people. Handle it. Yeah, it's just... It's, I'm, too, I'm too old for that. And it's not, I've got to say, it's not happened that many times in my life, to be fair. But when it does happen, it can change a show. Yeah. And, and it's really important to get that balance right. So it's usually, however much I'd go, yeah, they'd be great in it. I'd think, oh, no. Like, for example, I just got um, in the last, in the this series, I've got Stephen Bailey, the amazing comedian. And we met mutually through my business partner, Caroline uh, Robert Cherry, and... I just absolutely loved him. And I said, can you act? And he was like, I don't know, I've tried. And um, he was absolutely brilliant to the point where my director went, he's got to come back. He's amazing. I loved working with him. And I was like, see, sometimes you just give people a, a platform or a chance. Joe Lysett. Oh, Joe, God, I love him. I met, I did meet him once years ago. And I remember thinking, you are so clever he's I think so it clever. was um he's a lovely guy it was the thing after what does it, the, the the thing after bake off when they have that chat oh no the thing after the apprentice when they have that chat yeah and they asked me on that show and he was there so it was many years ago when i went on right oh, at the start of his career he's so bright he's lovely. everything he, came, he does is amazing the first season of this podcast he came on and people hadn't they it wasn't quite that people Got him yet? Yeah, and it was just waiting to happen. Wasn't it? Oh, I could see it straight away. I thought he's going to be massive. Just and he's he's so bright. It's a funny way, you know. He's like he's on it. Oh no, I watch everything he does. It. I think he's fantastic. I think he's. You got to get him in, but I can see him in Madame Blanc. God, whether he did. I mean, whether you, you, you say, you know, you, you. It's amazing when you see these people and you think all the com comedy's been done, all the drama's been done, all the singing's been done, and then all of a sudden people like Joe Lysett pop out, you mm. know, and you just go, oh, it's not. Yeah. <laughs> there you go, there's more genius. But also it's it's about taking a chance, and I think television can be too safe these yeah. days. And, I, I, you know, I bet that's a whole other conversation. Um, Sally, just carry on doing what you do. Do you mean employing the same, the same cast no, all no, the time? No, no, I, no, I just mean it's all a bit safe. Uh, you know, I like I like rebellious and naughty television. I think that's why I love what Joe does as well. Yeah, yeah. I mean, totally. I come from naughty television. Oh, yeah, exactly. So you do really I, just, naughty I, I think that, and I mean naughty with a small N, not, not yeah, late yeah, yeah. night, strange television. No, what have you got on you? <laughs> no, your mother, I, oh, you sound like savage. savage. Oh, my God. Um, uh, but but uh, long may you reign, and you will. So you've got other ideas. There's other stuff as well. Yeah, so we have, you we never have, not have ideas. We have a company, um, which is me, Caroline and Martin, and it's called uh, Saffron Jerry Productions. And we have lots of um, things on our on our slate, but it's it's quite female-led. I like uh, diversity, but I also like women of a certain age. So I think what happens is women get to a certain age and then you just don't see them on the telly anymore and you go, why am I not seeing them on the telly anymore? Because but, but, but no, people like you, Sarah Lancashire, yeah. Jamie Lee Curtis, I know yeah. we're going, but 
suddenly out there, it's like, hallelujah. You're not invisible. It's no, important. Because women want to see us. This is the thing. And, and, and once you're brave enough and bold enough to say that and say, women want to see women who look like themselves. Instead of men. I mean, and yeah, men do. Yeah. 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 And, but, you know, it, it, that's who I'm writing for. And it's brilliant because when people come up about Modern Blanc, it's usually couples. Um, and that was like Mount Pleasant as well, weirdly. But it was couples and, you know, or we get, or people just really enjoy it. It's like a bit of a... I just wanted to make an hour of escapism, really. I thought the world was so horrible during the pandemic and so hard. It was sort of a fantasy that I created, really, that I wanted this sort of vision of loveliness and you wanted to go and sit in that pub and you... Please keep doing it. You wanted to look at that antique and you wanted yeah. to, look, you know, spend your, your night with that mad couple from the chateau and... Uh, and have a, that's all I wanted. You know, it was. It sounds really simple, but it, this recipe has to be right. But actually, simple is the best. It's when you can yeah. describe something on the back of a matchbox. That's what well, that's I remember telly, isn't it? Saying, yeah. That's when it really works. Sally, thank you. Is that it? That's it. Thank you. Oh my you. god, we could go on for us, couldn't we? Thank you. Love to see you, love. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff shirts and polos, activewear, and fine leather goods all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade.